Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Weekend edition of the call-up. It's our first episode of September, which means rosters are expanding. We got tons of prospects and even just intriguing players, maybe former prospects that are getting another opportunity now in September. We're going to break that all down and tell you everything you need to know about all of these players getting a crack from the minor leagues, many of which, Jack, you have seen working in AAA uh, over there in Indianapolis You've seen a lot of these guys that are you know, performing in AAA that might be a little bit older, not quite prospects, the Lewis Brinsons of the world. I know you didn't see him specifically, but guys like that, very excited to get into some of those players who uh, I'm very interested to see how they do over the next month. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, man. And, um, you know, one of the fun parts of what we do, especially at the end of the season, is the September call-ups because yeah. you've got that nice mix of, damn, I remember him from yeah. three years ago for 20 games. Or a guy like Spencer Steer, where it's, hey, this is a top 100 guy getting his shot to help a team that is out of contention. Or it's a guy like Hunter Brown, top 100 guy who's stepping in and will provide an impact for a contending team. So there are a couple of ways. And by a couple, I mean, like, you might bump a couple to several or a few. There are several ways that, you know, teams can go about the September call up. Um, and, and I think we had a very healthy variety of that. Yeah, I, I think that's the interesting uh, discussion here as well is is the ways in which teams can approach it, because we're going to talk about the Giants who, you know, they don't really have prospects, upper level minor league prospects other, other than David VR, who we're going to talk about. Or is it Villar or VR? I think it's VR. VR. That's what I would think. But, you know, sometimes guys. Matt Diaz was one with the Braves. It was Matt Diaz. I'd always say Matt Diaz. And apparently he was very adamant that it was Matt Diaz, who's one of the all-time Marlins killers. And so I'd say Matt Diaz. But Well, you, you remember Al Avila, the GM of the Detroit Tigers, his yeah. son, Alex Avila. Just, Avila and Avila, father's son, opted for different pronunciations of the same last you name. Serious? Yeah. That should be Alex illegal. Avila, Al Avila. That should actually be illegal. Yes. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> getting into like what the Giants are doing, you know, they, they want to see what VR can do, but also they give Lewis Brinson a crack. And we're going to get into like some of the, the numbers and stuff there. But that is a smart thing to do, right? Because you're mean Mercedes. They've given a look like the Giants are great at identifying some of these guys that maybe didn't succeed in their initial environment. Right. We look at like a Lamont Wade, which really worked out for them over the last couple of years, though, you know, it was a bit of a disappointing year this year. But guys like that, even Austin Slater, other options that you know they kind of 
take after maybe they don't reach expectations and try to help them get there. And it looks like Brinson could be an opportunity to be another example of that, or it doesn't work out and you move on. And and I think this is the perfect time to do that as you fall out of contention. But I want to start with some of the higher profile names and uh, you know, the way it timed up with our last episode, we, we put one out just before Gunnar Henderson got the call up and then we haven't had an episode since then. So we've talked a lot about it on the just baseball show and, and everything Gunnar's done is well documented and he's going to be a top three prospect in our, in our mid season up or mid season season's almost over and our top 100 update. Uh, but it was really awesome to just kind of see him impact the game in so many ways. Talk about Corbin Carroll and a similar type of effect that he has beating out an infield single or forcing an error because he rushes the infield, but then also smacking a ball, you know, 105, 106 miles an hour into the gap and running for the races. And then we also saw Corbin Carroll score from first and he really kicked it in gear and you could see him fly. Gunnar Henderson, not quite, you know, the elite, elite, elite runner, but the guy can really run the powers that, ridiculous. Uh, and and now we're seeing a very polished hitter for a 21 year old as well. And a young 21 year old at that Gunner has shown the speed on the bases already swiping a bag. We've seen him hit the ball hard. We've seen him make impressive swings. There was one swing that really stands out to me. It was uh, I believe it was a Shane Bieber, you know, like slider or, or it almost was looked more like a cutter kind of breaking in on his hands. And he was able to just get the hands and fight it off and shoot it into the shallow outfield for a base hit. Like that's stuff that really impresses me from a 21 year old. And then of course we did have the mammoth home run as well. He made a great play at shortstop. He's showing us that he can really be that five tool player, uh, but he doesn't need to be that guy for the Orioles right now. No, he, he doesn't need to be. And, and the beauty of the Orioles situation is they're a lot better than I think they were expecting to be. Obviously they're a lot better than anybody was expecting them to be. So what you're asking Gunnar Henderson to do as a September call up on an expanded roster is, you know, that thing that you were doing in the minor leagues, just keep doing it. Like, you're not asking him to have this out-of-body experience. You're asking him, hey, you were our hottest hand. Ride that hot hand here. We're going to put you in positions to succeed on a team whose clubhouse energy is through the roof positive right now. Just be you in here. The other thing that jumps out about Gunnar Henderson, he's played three games at the major league level. That's 27 innings defensively. He has played second base for nine of them. He's played third base for nine of them. He's played a very good shortstop for nine of them, too. He can play anywhere. Feels like he's comfortable playing anywhere. Anything to get that bat in the lineup, particularly against right-handed pitching, right? Uh, Exactly. He's five for 12 uh, to start off his career while playing three different positions. And he hasn't walked yet, so he's probably a bust, right? Oh, no. Yeah. He hasn't walked because he's putting the ball in play every time, (laughs) which is unbelievable. But yeah. And that's the thing. He's also a patient hitter as well. And uh, you will see that kind of shine through. But what's amazing is the the confidence that they have in Gunner defensively to to move him all over the diamond. And I, I wanted to to really emphasize this when he first got promoted or when we were hearing, you know, rumors of him potentially being promoted soon was over the last couple of weeks prior to him getting bumped up to the major leagues, they were moving him all around in AAA to see what he can do and how he can handle it. He was playing second, he was playing third, he was playing first and still playing short. I wanted to make it clear to not have that mistaken for he can't play short because that's not the case. This kid can play an above average shortstop at the big league level. 
His arm's great. His range is good. His actions continue to get better. Sure. Could he be a little bit rocky time to time for a 21-year-old at shortstop in the big leagues? Yeah, look at Bobby Witt this year. I don't think anybody is swearing off Bobby Witt as a defender, but it's been a bit of a choppy season for him. Gunner can play all over. Obviously, with what Mateo is giving you defensively and what he has actually done offensively in the second or half. Jorge Mateo is a good baseball player. He's a good don't baseball player. twisted. Yeah. yeah. Don't move him off a shortstop. That's an elite right. defender, one of the best in the game at that spot. But there's certain times where you want to mix and match or give Mateo a day off or whatever. It's not you know a matchup that you like for him. You can go ahead and put Gunner at short. But what I like about this situation is I don't feel like as crazy as it sounds, it's so different than you know maybe what the Mariners were hoping from Kelnick when they brought him up. Because I look at Gunnar Henderson and he doesn't have to do that much. He's basically a super utility guy for them down the stretch here. And what they were getting from second base is so terrible. Uh, with all due respect to Rook Outdoor, <laughs> 30th in Major League Baseball at negative six F4 from the position. Uh, that's because of horrible defense, uh, hitting a buck 80 and not really adding any any value on the base paths. Gunnar, even if he's a 750 OPS guy down the down the rest of the season here down the stretch. With the defense and speed he brings, that will be much, much, much more valuable than what they've been getting from the second base position. So I think Gunner is going to really give them a boost, but I expect him to be better than that. My only question, as you kind of teased, as you let it back over to me, is left on left. He's still not totally there yet, which, man, okay, sorry. The one thing that the 21-year-old can't do is, is really comfortably hit left on left. He still was fine. I think mid-700s OPS in the upper levels of the minors, that's more than competitive, uh, but 34% K rate. That's something where now that the Orioles have some other pieces, they bring Jesus Aguilar in. Uh, maybe you can protect him from some of the tough lefties from time to time. And uh, that's kind of what the Cardinals have done with Nolan Gorman. I don't think it's as dramatic as that, uh, but they could probably shelter him from time to time, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you make the comp to what the Mariners were hoping for with Kelnick. I want to go back a little bit because I know you were a baseball freak at this point. Like I was. 2013, you remember what the Red Sox did with Xander Bogarts? Oh, yeah. That that kind of feels like what's going on with Gunner, right? If, if Yeah. I mean, if Gunner did that, I wouldn't be surprised. Right? Like, so if, if Gunner did what Xander did <laughs> that season, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, so taking you fully back to the Xander Bogarts experience in 2013, right? So 2013, Bogarts had this incredible year between double and triple as a 20-year-old. So 56 games in Portland, he had a 909 OPS, had an 822 OPS in 60 games in Pawtucket. What the Red Sox did at the beginning of September, Bogarts became that September call-up. He was a late 40-man ad. At that point, again, anybody on the 40-man roster could come up in the month of September. Um, he was that ad. He was a very patient hitter. He figured something out. He was a high OBP guy in the minor leagues. They plugged him in for 18 games in the regular season. They said, get as comfortable as you possibly can. They win the World Series in 2013. He was a guy at the bottom of the order that was working a full count every at bat during the postseason because he was an advanced, high OBP, keen eye hitter. The rest of it came later. Bogarts did not need to be the star that he is now. Bogarts was the young top prospect that did enough things well to positively impact a baseball team. Uh, That's exactly the trajectory that the Orioles want with Gunnar Henderson. Absolutely. And and I mean, that is exactly how it went down. I don't remember who he kind of replaced or took the ABs from or kind of, but, but the larger point is here is that 
Gunnar Henderson is going to be that kind of automatic upgrade, but also he's capable of doing things that Rugnit Odor is not capable of doing, right? Like what, what Gunnar Henderson can do if he's having a great game, if he's, if he's having one of his Gunnar Henderson games, can win you a baseball game. I don't think Rugnit Odor is ever really going to win you a baseball game. So that, that's the other side of it. And I think we saw that with Bogarts, even though he was a, you know not always the, the middle of the order bat in the early going that rookie season, he was still having some games where he could have been the middle of the order bat because he's capable of that. The, the difference with these young guys is finding the consistency. And, you know, we'll see some guys find that consistency right away. But Gunner's flashes are going to be better than anything they would have got otherwise. Give me a guess as to who Xander Bogart's displaced during that 2013 September. 2013. How many 2013 Boston Red Sox can you name? Dude, not not many. Like at 2013. They won the World Series that year. Yeah, that was that was the worst of first 2012 to 2013. Yeah, that was Steve Pierce, Steve Pierce uh, MVP uh, World Series MVP year. Was that 18? Um, That was 18. That was 18. That was 18. Jeez, yeah, I, dude, I don't know. I have no okay. idea who he displaced so at that point. Bogarts displaced Stephen Drew and Will Middlebrooks. There you go. That's all you need to know. Okay. Yeah, point, I mean point, that was crazy. Point made. Point made. That yeah. starting five that or that rotation: um, Lester, Lackey, Ryan Dempster, Felix Dubrant, and Clay Buckles. <sighs> dude, I'm with Koji O'Hara closing games. World Series is all about catching winding in a bottle, man. And maybe these <laughs> Orioles did. They also brought up DL Hall. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know if, if we're really expecting DL Hall to make a, a major impact. What, what I do like is, is that if, you know, if he's on, he can legitimately shut it down. They've been using him as a bullpen arm, uh, in triple a to one man in Jennings and two, because that's the way that he can help the big league team, you know, the rest of the way here. And it's been a bit of a mixed bag for him over his last few outings. The, the last outing he made in the minors uh, before getting brought up a, a few days ago, he went one and a third scoreless, walked one, struck out one. Uh, these are all in triple A. But just before that, went one and a third and gave up two earned runs against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, and also before that, though, goes two innings, hitless ball, no walks, four Ks against the very same team. The thing with D.O. Hall is it's not about who he's facing. It's about how many strikes he can throw and his biggest his biggest hurdle is himself. Yes. Um, but if he's throwing strikes, he could be a, a top flight big league reliever right now. But that's a big if. And I, I just don't know if I have a lot of confidence in him being able to be much of a much of an asset for them, really, other than maybe a sixth inning guy. If you like the matchup against the lefty, like that's all I, I don't really see much more uh, from him right now. In the future, I, I think Deal Hall could be great, but it, it's kind of an interesting spot to put him in. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to use the term lightning in a bottle again, because if he, if he catches lightning in a bottle, like in a vacuum could. for one outing, um, you know, just think about it. Like if DL hall wakes up feeling great and, and he goes up to the, the coaching staff in Baltimore, he goes up to Brandon Hyde, the manager and says, I'm feeling awesome right now. Like if you need somebody in the fourth, I'm your guy. He can bridge you three or four innings that's, of lights out pitching. That that's a good point. And, and, and that's a role that I think he could he could serve pretty well. Pitcher starting pitcher gets knocked out early. Deal Hall kind of comes in low pressure. Keep Might be able to game. carve three three innings, five Ks, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" Yeah. You know, and like that that is very possible because when he's on, it, it's really like he's unhittable. Uh, but the walks are the issue, and 
those are the outings. Maybe you put them in. You're already down four zip in the third. Uh, you want someone to try to keep you in the ball game, but you don't want to deplete the bullpen. Like that's where you maybe go to that's DL your, Hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's just, that's selling him a bit short at this point. But it's just where he's at, right? He missed a lot of last year with the elbow stress reaction. He's improved at times. It looks like the command, and then and then he takes a step backwards. So we just have not seen the consistency there. But the stuff is is phenomenal. The fastball command has improved. But, you know, overall, he's just he just needs to to continue to refine that. You can't walk five, almost six batters per nine and, and be successful. May I be brutally honest for one second? Sure. It does not matter how electric your stuff is. You will never be considered for impact innings on a postseason team if your team has to doubt your ability to throw strikes. Of course. What of course. was what was what changed for Shane Boss, right? Like, why did he become a postseason starter last year? Because he went from a guy that was walking five guys per nine to a guy that was walking one guy per yeah, nine. Yeah, to one of the best K to BB rates in, in all of, you know, professional baseball. Having the stuff is one thing, but you need to be able to bunker down and throw strikes and not beat yourself. D.L. Hall is beating himself way too often at the AAA level. The Orioles are not going to put him in positions where if he beats himself, it screws them. Yeah. The Rays knew that they could put Boz in positions where he was not going to beat himself. They did it with McClanahan, too. McClanahan was not going to beat himself. Grayson Rodriguez, when he's healthy, never going to beat himself because he no. prides himself on painting the corners. Yeah. DL Hall, the fastball, the changeup, the slider, they're all gross, but he can beat himself. That's so why we're not looking at him in the same way. A hundred percent. And he can get there, but you know, I just, it's not going to be this season, obviously. And we'll see how, how things go during the off season. Last thing on the Orioles, you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez. Great news. He made his rehab start over in high a uh, with the Aberdeen Ironbirds and a very, very, very short pitch count. Obviously they're going to be very careful uh, with their crown jewel and the, the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball, but a lot of good things there. Obviously, if you look at the stat line, doesn't look great. He went one and a third, one hit, no runs, walked two, struck out one. Don't care. He was sitting 96 to 98, topped at 99, mixed in all his pitches, looked good, felt good. All reports were good. Love to hear that. He's going to continue to ramp up. It was just 31 pitches, but fastball topping at 99. He seems like he's doing well. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how they handle him. But regardless, I'm just glad that we're seeing him pitch again prior to the end of the season uh, and, and kind of see him back and we'll know that he'll be full fledged, ready to go by next year. Yeah. <laughs> Fun man. G rod show. We've got the J rod show. Let's get the and G -Rod the G -Rod show, going. show. So let's fly through the rest of these, these call-ups uh, because there's a lot of interesting roster moves and you can follow along on the article, uh, which is at just baseball.com. It's also linked in the podcast description uh, where you can see every single Jack put this together, did a great job. You can see every single player that was brought up uh, as rosters expand for every single team. Uh, we'll go through some of the other guys. Like you know, I'll just fly through it, but we'll spend more time talking about the prospects or the Lewis Brinson type intrigue players. Diamondbacks don't have much for us. Uh, it's really Wilmer Defoe. You don't get off on Wilmer Defoe? Come on, I'm man. good. I'm good. I mean, decent numbers in triple, like whatever. Uh, Keenan Middleton, he, he gets bumped up some good numbers uh, as what more of a reliever. He's been a quadruple A guy for the last like five, six years. And then yeah. Kyle Nelson was really good. That That's an injury guy. So Middleton and Kyle Nelson were both reinstated from the 15-day injured list. Now, let me take you behind the curtain here for a moment. Because uh, Ryan Finkelstein, the uh, managing editor at Just Baseball, he, uh, um, we were talking about, you know, it, what we wanted to do for the September call-up, and originally it was going to be a divide and conquer type thing. 
I rolled in from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, my I do football stuff with Ball State. Rolled in from Knoxville, Tennessee. Got back to my apartment in Indianapolis at 4 a.m. on Thursday night slash Friday morning. I get up at 11.30. I call Fink and I say, I'm just going to go to this coffee shop and rip it. Like, no communication needed. I'll just put it up. And we just knocked it out alphabetical order. Let's get it. So, Love it. Good. Love to hear that. Congrats on the grind. Thanks, man. You're I, built different. Here's the thing. Like, if I was built different, I would be getting up at four and not going to bed at four, you know? Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's we're kind of built different in like a in a weirder way. Cause I was up till three looking at some clips of of Brewers yeah. prospects as I iron out the rest of that top 10, too. So yeah, but that is that is a grind. That is impressive. I was shocked that you did that. And honestly, I yeah. now that you heard. Listener, uh, whoever is listening to this podcast, now that you heard what Jack just went through to put this together, go check it out at just baseball.com. I blood, sweat, and tears to get yeah. this article out. I'm telling yeah. you, even though there's hardly any words, it's just names. It's just names and stats. Called up. It's just <laughs> monotony. I, that's what makes it even more impressive, honestly. I, like I was that. more impressed Purple that you didn't, emoji. didn't put that many words. Like it was just <laughs> straight names and stats, like a psychopath. Uh, but the D backs, not that exciting because they brought all their guys up, right? Stone. Garrett got brought up, then Corbin Carroll, you know, Alec Thomas was already up there. All their dudes are up. I would have liked to have possibly seen Brandon Fott, but I can understand them just wanting to kind of let him keep rolling at the AAA level, and that's fine with me. So, you know, I was looking at, um, and obviously, like, it's it's dependent on the environment that he's in. He's in Reno right now, but I, I was looking at the pitchers who have allowed the most homers in minor league baseball, and Fott is very high up there. I think it's 24 homers that he's allowed so far at the AAA level. Uh, nobody is close to sniffing Parker Dunchy's 34 homers allowed <laughs> in Las Vegas so far. Poor guy. I mean, the environment stinks out there. But uh, all I'll say with Fod is he throws a lot of strikes. And, yeah. and you know, bad, tough environment when you throw a lot of strikes, you're going to be susceptible to the long ball. I'm okay with it, though, because I, I like that he is confident enough to not nibble. Um, he throws – a lot of pitches in the zone and he gets a lot of whiffs in the zone. Every once in a while, guys are going to ambush you and time it up. And I like that. He's not nibbling and not compromising the command because that's a big strength of his. He only walks 5% of batters. So you, you love that from Brandon fought. I'm okay with the home runs. I, I'm, I'm not worried about it because he scatters them. He manages them. And it, it implies that he's not afraid to attack the zone. And I think he'll be better off. I know it, it's not, um, it's not the, a pitcher friendly environment, but I think he'll be better off just being in the big leagues, even though it's Arizona. And yes, he has to pitch in Colorado. He's going to pitch in a hell of a lot of other places too, especially with the new schedules and the way you play kind of all over the league. Uh, I think Brandon Fott will be just fine in that department, but it is an interesting talking point for sure. Shout out the Bellarmine Knights. Brandon Bellarmine. Fott from Louisville went to Bellarmine. Um, uh, yeah. Is he a top 100 guy? Yes. Fott? Yes, okay. he absolutely cool. will. I'm, I've been very, very impressed with him. Uh, Braves. Nothing exciting, really. Orlando Arcia gets gets the opportunity. And Jesse Chavez, which we talked about in the Just Baseball show, has bounced around and been traded, I think, 15 times. Um, but good to see him just continuing to to push forward and and have a, a big league career. Red Sox, Connor Wong. Um, interesting. Because they trade Christian Vasquez. Connor Wong is a catcher. And he came over in that trade, that Mookie Betts trade. So there's always going to be kind of that negative – uh, you know, just association with with anybody because Jeter Downs came over in that deal. Verdugo has been great in the second half, but Connor Wong is a really interesting player because he has exciting power. He's shown flashes of of 
really being an exciting offensive piece. He can play other positions. I'm not too bullish on his catching ability, but he's not a total liability out there. I'm intrigued by Wong, Jack. I mean, listen to these AAA numbers. 288, 349, 489 slash line, a 22% K rate, 7.6% walk rate, 15 home runs. It's good for a 121 WRC plus. And again, he hasn't come out of nowhere. He put up great numbers in AA with the Dodgers in 2019. He put up decent numbers in AAA last year with yeah. with the Red Sox after the trade. You know, slightly below average, but still hit eight homers and you know showed some flashes of things. This guy can swing the bat, and I think he could be a a potential utility catcher, unique profile type of guy. I'm actually very interested to see how he does through September here. Yeah, when when Connor Wong wins wins the American League Player of the Month, and the Red Sox have a perfect month and make it to the postseason, uh, we can officially say that the Red Sox won the Mookie Betts trade. Fair? <laughs> yes. Done. <laughs> Done. Um, Wong feels like the third string catcher for the yes. Red Sox. And with some AAA guys, like that's how you have to look at it. Um, are you a soccer guy at all? Like Premier League, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Mostly because of FIFA. Okay, yeah. So I'm sure like hey, doing the FIFA stuff, um, European soccer teams like Premier League, you've got to fill out the the team sheet for every game. So you got your starting 11, you've got your reserves, but then, or your substitutes, but then you also have your reserves. So guys that are not dressed for that you typically have three goalkeepers, right? You've got the starting goalkeeper, you've got a substitute, and then you've got your reserve guy. That feels like what Connor Wong is, right? He is the third string catcher. He's not a prospect anymore. He's just the guy. If anything goes on above him, he's going to slot in and be the second string. Yeah, well, and here's the thing, though. What happens if he hits? Because, again, this guy has power. Defensively, I agree. He's kind of like that third string emergency catcher, but – this year uh, in Worcester, they pretty much exclusively played him at the catching position. He wasn't great throughout 24% of batters or of, of base stealers. I don't know how the defense was. I have not, I'm not going to pretend I've watched Connor Wong's receiving and blocking. Uh, but they kept him as a DH every, almost every single game. He didn't start behind the dish because they wanted his bat in the lineup. I think he's made two or three appearances at second base. Uh, but he, he is capable of playing around the diamond. Uh, the, the bat is solid. I'm very interested to see what they would do and how they would handle it if he does swing it well. And maybe do they try to continue to develop him as a catcher as he is a good athlete and he's not a liability back there. It, it'll just be interesting to kind of see how they how they handle him. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they're going to handle him, but we shall see. And then who is the other guy? Edward Bizzardo. Who came Edward Bizzardo. Yeah, I don't know much on him, honestly. Yeah. You got much on Edward Bizzardo? Nothing. Good numbers in AAA. Um, 34 or 37 appearances. He also made four starts. Pretty good strikeout numbers. Doesn't walk a ton of guys. Get a chance to see what he can do. Um, the Cubs, they don't call up Matt Mervis. Uh, we we figured that was going to be the case because you know the, why you have a self imposed you know 40 man crunch. We just we you know how it is. Um, there's a lot of guys that they need to protect from the Rule Five draft, and and bringing up Matt Mervis kind of takes up one 40 man spot that you don't have to yet because you know, he was a 20. 20 draftee, so not rule five eligible for a little bit. Uh, Mervis, side note, has been spectacular. Homered again yesterday. It, he has, I think, almost 70 extra base hits now this season, 104 driven in. It's one of the best minor league seasons I think we've seen from a guy that was not a top 100 prospect in a while. Um, he'll get his crack. I think he can break camp with them next year. Yeah. Uh, 
I think the reports are already that Mervis is going to be in the Arizona Fall League, um, cool. and and he's going to he's going to keep raking there. He's going to yeah. force the Cubs to pencil him in as the opening day starter. Uh, but a big reason why they did not bring Mervis up was I think they they did not want to risk losing Jeremiah Estrada. Uh, that's an important uh, important arm for them, and a guy that could have been a forty man casualty um, if they continue to make the the roster crunch a little bit tighter. Estrada's been really good this year, man. Have you have you seen much of him? I haven't seen him in person, but I've been keeping close tabs on Estrada. And this is a guy that has climbed like nobody's business. Estrada has an electric fastball. Yep. He works off of it with a really good changeup. Estrada is a possible shutdown reliever for the yep. Cubs, which is cool because they're running out Sean Newcomb right now, who, you know, like, <laughs> They're running out Newcomb and Anderson Espinosa out of the bullpen. Like the Cubs are in dire need of back end starter or back end um, bullpen guys, like high leverage bullpen guys. They're going to get Cody Hoyer back. Hoyer's got closer to the future type makeup. Um, Estrada is another guy like that who is just electric and could become a setup man or a closer in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So a guy that the fastball sets the tone, which I love, Um, you know, high spin high velo, ton of riding life, and he dominates with that pitch. And, and it sits 95, 97, topping it at maybe eight or nine. Um, and, and he'll throw that pitch 70% of the time, man. Like he, it's, it's almost like Rich Rodriguez when he was really working, but with a way better fastball and he can get away with it. And he's a reliever, so it's fine. Um, I love that about Estrada. You talk about fast climber. The guy was pitching in, in low A last year. Low A, and now already getting a crack at the big league level. So great stuff. I think will be a good big league reliever and doesn't walk guys at like an egregious clip for a guy that throws upper, upper 90s and is, is more of that bullpen profile. Uh, so definitely an interesting arm uh, and a guy that should be a part of their future for sure at just 23 years old. They also bring up David Bodie, which whatever. whatever. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I'd rather see Mervis, but again, I understand <laughs> it's going to be a 40 man crunch there. Chicago White Sox. Oh, let me just shout out real quick the stable of pitching prospects that the Cubs have put together again, because I know we did this after the deadline, but I mean, this is a farm that has Estrada, who's got bullpen capabilities, Kate Horton, who they just drafted, Jordan Wicks, Ben Brown, Jackson Ferris, who they just drafted. Who else? You got Wesneski, you got DJ Hers, you got Killian, you got Daniel Palencia, who is a freak. Yeah, he throws like one or two. He's a freak, dude. And then you've got other guys like Nas Mule, who you just signed, Luke Little, Ryan Jensen, Cole Franklin. Um, It's it's incredible what the Cubs have done in two years, pretty much stockpiling arms after they realized they were good in the bat department. And they needed him so bad. Uh, Another guy that's been a really awesome story is Javier Assad. And I get to watch him throw when I was in double A, taking a look at Pensacola earlier this year. And and Assad, man, like. He throws like six different pitches. I wrote him up after I saw him throw. I was like, this guy's interesting. Nothing's plus, but six legit different moving pitches in all different directions with great command. Assad's been great in double, got the call up to triple, was the same there, and then got a couple looks in the big league so far this year. And I, the, the underlying numbers aren't great, but you know what? He threw 10 innings and only allowed one earned run. So Assad looks like he could be a swing man and, and a potential depth arm as well. So being where they were, uh, pitching wise and how desperate they were for arms. This is a far cry very quickly from where, where they once were. And then there's a lot to be excited about uh, with the Cubs, the white Sox, maybe not as much, um, which is crazy to say, because 
going into this year, it seemed like those two teams were nowhere near each other uh, in regards to the short-term and long-term futures. But the White Sox, they bring up Adam Hazley and Matt Foster. Uh, what say you, Mr. White Sox? Nothing much. Um, walk-off fielder's choice from Jose Abreu after a walk-off hit by pitch was overturned. That's my entire focus on the White Sox. Um <laughs> like they don't have much to bring up. I mean, what are you going to do? Sosa again? Um, I don't know. Carlos Perez. Perez is already up. Lenin Sosa, when he's got up, has really struggled. Um, Hazley provides some depth for you. Romy Gonzalez is already up. Um, what I was talking about last night, though, Davis Martin, after Joe Kelly opened the game, Davis Martin with five scoreless, I want to say with three punch outs. He popped up out of nowhere this yep. year. And I know that we've talked about Davis Martin before, but but Martin is a guy who has gotten 10-ish starts at the big league level now, and nobody really knew who he was coming into this year. He was a 14th-round pick in 2018 out of Texas Tech, but he was shoving in Birmingham, got the bump to Charlotte, looked great in Charlotte, got the call-up. He was always like the guy that started game two of the doubleheaders in Cleveland because yeah. Cleveland plays a doubleheader every weekend at yeah. home. It feels like... um I think he's got a spot on a major league roster from here on out. He screams, he screams serviceable swing man. And I know that sounds like a negative content. Like, no, he, he screams a swing man that I trust. Um, yes. And, and I, and if you have to make you know some starts with him, he can give you five, six good innings. Yes. Sure. He's by the end of the year, the ERA is going to be in the mid fours, but that guy can give you valuable innings. And I think give you some flashes where he can give you quality starts. So I, Davis Martin's been some nice, uh, a nice kind of developed and pop-up prospect for them. And the White Sox system is actually much improved. It's not great, uh, but going from one of the worst, I will say, I love what I've seen from Colas. Colson Montgomery looks great. A lot of their other guys are, are starting to tick up. Uh, you got Brian Ramos, who's looked really good. Like they, They've got some guys that I think uh, are, are trending in the right direction for them, and the system development-wise has, has improved itself uh, over the last year, uh, but they definitely need some more arms. So real quick, tangent do you remember the name chris getz mm-hmm. chris getz is the farm director for the white Sox, <laughs> and he has spearheaded this thing called project birmingham yeah yeah that, that shit's stupid okay so the essence of project birmingham is every prospect of note is in birmingham now playing in double a that means colson montgomery who's not ready for double a baseball he's really good but he's not ready for double a baseball is up there jared kelly andrew dahlquist is up there Oscar Colas is there. I think Yoelki Cespedes is still there. Pretty much every prospect of note in the White Sox system is in Birmingham. Because at the it, AA he thought level it was right like now. a cool collaborative environment for the top prospects to be together. That was yeah, the let's create this super team. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But again, I just kind of feel like I'm a traditionalist in that. No, sense. I think it's pretty stupid. Um, cool. You know, there's certain aspects of that, like maybe pitching wise, it can make some more sense. Uh, but when when you're looking at someone like Colson Montgomery, who's putting up good numbers in high A, there's only 37 games there. And, it, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen him start to tap into some more power. And that's something that you, you do as you kind of get more comfortable as a hitter. And he gets the bump up to double and, and it's been a little bit rough for him uh, so far. So, I mean, Colson's going to be fine, but it's just it's definitely a challenging uh, development process for him uh, based on that project Birmingham. But so weird. Let's go to the Reds. Uh, somebody that really showed out in his first game. Spencer Steer uh, gets the bump up. Also, Fernando Cruz, who 
uh, I, I'll have to rely on you for a little bit more on, on Cruz, but uh, let's start with Steer because he could not have had a much better first big league game. Um, we've talked a lot about him since you know the trade went down, and then we also did the Reds episode, and so we've done a few different things. Uh, but this guy is going to be a piece for them for a long time because he's never going to block a prospect, even if he's a 120 WRC plus guy or, or if he's a 110 WRC plus guy, you can move him all over the diamond to accommodate the rest of your lineup. Um, and I just love the way he plays, man. We saw him crush a Homer. He's got power, especially since he's added that leg kick, which I've talked about, but it hasn't come at the, you know, at the expense of his ability to put bat on ball. And then we saw that with the double he shot the other way, right? Like there, there's two different Spencer Sears that we get now, which is great, which it used to just be contact, contact, contact. Now it's, I can turn on one pull side and hit it, you know, 430 feet, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to take that 2-0 fastball, you know, on the outer half and drive it down into the right center gap or down the line in right field. Like he is a complete hitter. He is a high floor prospect who is going to be a very solid big leaguer for a long time. Yeah, um, uh, we've talked about Steer a lot. Listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Spencer Steer, and I, I caught him for his last couple of games before he actually got the bump because the uh, Indianapolis Indians are, are actually in Louisville right now seeing the bats. Uh, Steer played third in game one. He played first in game two, and then he got the bump. There's some defensive versatility there oh, for yeah. Spencer Steer, and the bat is going to play Great American Ballpark. Listen, folks. I handed out Jonathan India for National League Rookie of the Year last year because that is a bat that plays in a very, very hitter-friendly ballpark. All I'm going to say is if the odds are really enticing, you should take a long look at Spencer Steer next year for National League Rookie of the Year. There's a lot of John India in Spencer Steer, and and I think we'll see it translate. That'll be a safe – really, I think Steer should be one of the favorites if I were making the odds. The only way that he loses is if you have – you know some of these other rookies that go nuclear. And that's the problem. There's so many ridiculously talented rookies now that those safer picks that used to always almost feel like a, a lock five, six years ago, because rookies always struggled uh, a little bit more challenging now, but steer is a guy that I think is going to make a, a pretty seamless transition uh, to the big leagues. Fernando Cruz, the, the reds are starting to find really solid bullpen arms and develop really solid bullpen arms. And it looks like Fernando Cruz could be the, the latest edition of that. So Fernando Cruz, I'm trying to find this from uh, John Sadak here, who's the TV voice of the Reds. He tweeted out this note. Here we go. Yeah, he retweeted it from Mark Sheldon, who writes for the Reds on MLB.com. From the Reds and Elias Sports, right-hander Fernando Cruz is 32 years, 157 days old. When he plays, he will become the oldest Red player to make his Major League debut since Pat Scantleberry pitched against the Cardinals on April 19th, 1956, giving you a glimpse into what has gone on in Fernando Cruz's baseball life. Again, he's 32 years from Bayamon, Puerto Rico. He was drafted in the sixth round by Kansas City in 2007. Fernando Cruz was drafted as a hitter. He was not a good hitter in minor league baseball. Career 232 guy with a 561 OPS in just over a thousand plate appearances. So that was starting as a 17 year old in 2007 with the Royals in the Appy League and at the complex. He makes the switch to the mound as a 21 year old in 2011 with the Royals, gets released, bounces over to the Cubs. Then he spends from 2016 until this year 
in indie ball and in ball away from the United States. So the Puerto Rican Winter League, the Dominican Winter League, things like that. Mexico. Mexico. This dude has been around 500 minor league games, 200 games in foreign countries, making his debut at a 32 years old and 158 days old. Wow. Uh, Fernando Cruz, I saw him a decent bit this year with Louisville. He was the closer for the Louisville <laughs> Bats. This dude saved 23 games at yeah. the AAA level, which is crazy. That's one of the five best marks in all of minor league baseball. He was one of the true closers down there. He's got a good mid-90s fastball. He's got a nice breaking ball. He's a gamer. And listen, when you go to hell and back 10 times like Fernando Cruz has done in his major league career, um, it is incredible to see that guy finally tow a big league rubber. I love it, man. I this is also why I love September. Is you get to see guys like this and um, or like a Winton Bernard. Winton right? Bernard, exactly. But I think Cruz can hang around. Um, yes. you know, the, the numbers are obviously pretty solid. A two eight nine ERA. You talk about closing out ball games, doesn't need to be a closer at the big league level. He could be a sixth, seventh inning guy. Um, also mixes in a cutter uh, that has you know some good numbers around it. So this guy could be solid mid nineties, fastball, solid cutter, solid breaking ball. And, and even mixes in, you know, a splitter. I, I, this he's figured something out and, and I, I hope he can hang around, but very awesome to see somebody like him make his big league debut. And guess what? Guess what he did in his debut in inning, no hits, no runs punched out too. And it's a pretty solid start uh, to there your big go. league career. And I'm sure a very emotional and, and pretty surreal experience for him and his family. I'd imagine. Yes, I think so. So, Cleveland Guardians, Ernie Clement, whatever. Um, whatever. Cody Morris, also. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, don't have much to say on that, really. <laughs> no. Morris, uh, 21 to thirds innings, a 169 ERA. Uh, Ernie Clement, I I think he's rocking a 2-2-2 slash line um, this season. But Guardians, again, another team that they kind of called up the guys they need to call up, and no one else is really going to you know make a major difference for them. Uh, at this point, I think they, they kind of are who they are. Uh, Rockies, no Rocktober this year. Um, so nothing crazy. We already saw them call up Michael Tolia. We talked about that. Um, he crushed one the other day. Uh, but they bring up Alan Trejo, Chad Smith. Uh, not much there. Chad Smith is pretty solid this year. Trejo has been solid as well. Um, you know, we'll kind of see how those two guys do. Don't have much on them. <laughs> no. uh, Tigers. Interesting. Two struggling prospects, one high, high profile, one of note, but not a good year for him after having kind of a, a breakout year last year. Spencer Torkelson, who yeesh, uh, even in AAA has not been great, um, but I think they just kind of want to get him back in the big leagues to just kind of, I guess, just just finish the season with the big league club and and then just kind of reevaluate in the offseason and, and work on things. Um, Ryan Crowder was kind of a surprising promotion, given that. He has not been really good in, in AAA this year. Um, but I, I I just don't know what to say about Torkelson because it's been rough for him in triple still. Like he, it wasn't like he went to triple and just started crushing. He was not great there either. Um, it's probably a bit ambitious to assume that Torkelson will just get it going here in the final month at the big league level. Malpractice calling up Spencer Torkelson right now. You think so? Why the hell? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got nothing for you because I, I I would rather him get things going in in triple 
Uh, and he was showing some signs of life, you know, over the last, I mean, it was like 18, 20 games. It was like a sub 700 OPS, dude. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? I, and you send him down there to get confidence, and he's obviously not confident putting up the slash line that he did down there. I I don't understand it. No, I mean, I, it, dude, it's definitely a head scratcher. You look at the last 15 games, too. This is the interesting thing for me. You look at the last 15 games. He's like starting to put it together, you know, starting to look solid, right? I think it was 278, 409. The power's still not there, though, 407 slash line, but at least walking a lot, 127 WRC plus. Starting to get things going. Why interrupt that now with a greater challenge? Um, I, I don't totally get it, but we'll we'll see how he does. Uh, and it's been interesting the way the Tigers kind of handle some of their guys. And I don't know if I totally agree with this move. Obviously, you don't. And uh, I hope Torkelson kind of figures something out at the big league level, but it's just not been good for their rookies. There's a glaring omission here. 28-year-old Josh Lester with Toledo. Uh, Lester is a, a corner guy that can play in the corner outfield uh, spots as well. Um, he can kind of play all over. He strikes out a bit, but he's got a 773 OPS, 35 doubles, 24 pumps, 81 driven in this year. That's coming off of a year last year where he hit 32 homers between double and triple. So that's a 28-year-old guy that has proven that he can hit for power um, and not strike out a billion times uh, in the minor leagues. September, for a bad team, is the time to give a guy like that a shot. Absolutely. And instead, you're calling up Ryan Kreidler, who is hitting like 215 after injuries hampered his front half of the year, and then Spencer Torkelson, who is so far in his own head, I guess, or yeah. just not performing. Yeah. It, I think they kind of want to see what they've got with Crowder. And, and I believe he's rule five eligible, right? So there are so many dudes that are rule five eligible. I was just talking to Mason Martin, who is a high school draftee in 2018 and he's rule five eligible. Yep. I was like, wow, that snuck up on us. Yeah. It's wild. And so Crowder, I believe also is rule five eligible and, He's still probably someone that would get picked, right? Because he gives you some defensive versatility, shortstop, third, second, um, you know, puts the bat on the ball enough. I, again, had a better year last year, had a really nice stretch in AAA where he hit 304, 407, 519. Um, even though the numbers aren't great this year, swipe 15 bags, eight homers, just getting on base at a 352 clip, probably a guy you have to protect. So for that reason, that's probably why we saw him get the bump up, but I'm not expecting him to do too much. Uh, we we talked a little bit on the Just Baseball show about it, like Hunter Brown, no brainer to bring up, especially now with Verlander down um, and with, with the injury. They also bring up Yiner Diaz, who is a very interesting bat, can catch for them as well, uh, can play first base. But man, the guy really raked this year uh, in the minor leagues. I, I talked to some guys in the Astros org and they all said the same thing. Yiner Diaz may be one of the most impressive hitters we've seen. Um that's interesting because they just say he makes it look so easy. Uh, so he's a guy that could make that transition uh, to potentially getting up to the big leagues and, and, and hit a little bit. I just don't know what his role would be, given that they have a lot of similar type guys. Hunter Brown, more important here because of what he's done. 255 ERA in 106 innings in AAA this year, 134 punch outs. Fastball is electric. Slider is in the low 90s and sharp. He'll probably be a reliever for them, but could be a multi-inning reliever. And if you need some spot starts over the final month of the season, he can give you that. Yeah, I think so. so I, the, the Astros were on cruise control of the postseason, and they went and got a guy that can hit like, Hey, 
let the pitcher hit occasionally in DH for Martin Maldonado, right? That that kind of feels yeah. like what you could do with Yiner Diaz. Literally. Um, no, but I mean, they they just added another good hitter, like their best minor league hitter. Um, and then you added your best minor league pitcher as well. So they just improved. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it's a, it's a good situation for the Astros, especially timing wise. It seems like they just kind of had Hunter Brown in their back pocket all year long. Most of the teams probably would have brought him up even earlier with the big leap that Brown has made this season. Very obviously their top pitching prospects. Dodgers, they bring up, obviously they return Kershaw. They bring Vargas back up. Very excited to see Miguel Vargas. I think he could be a more productive player than Justin Turner, but obviously Turner has the postseason pedigree and you know, a lot of different aspects to him that that are important. But Vargas brings you a little bit of everything. Uh, high batting average, some sneaky power, some sneaky speed, solid defense. He's going to walk a ton. He's not going to strike out. Um, that's a that's a guy that I, I love that can rove all over the infield as well, can play in corner outfield also. So he's he can plug in and give you quality at bats, even if he's only playing twice a week. I do think Vargas is the perfect guy for this role, uh, but I, I, I will be an above average big league regular when he gets the opportunity. Dude, I'm a sucker for the 300, 400, 500 slash line. Oh, my God. As you should be. With low Ks, with a sub 20% K rate. Like, there's very few safer profiles, man. Like, he's been my favorite prospect in that system for a long time. Even though there might be better prospects, I love how safe Vargas. Like, if I were, if uh, for my Marlins, if they were making a trade with the Dodgers, that's who I want. Because I know that the Marlins can't screw him up. Like, he is just such a good hitter and just a ball player dude i mean a hundred and like just running through like each number that we put in this write-up at just baseball.com 113 games durable that's some of the most games played in minor league baseball so far this year hitting 304 nothing more needs to be said hitting 404 100 point jump in obp obviously walks slugging 511 okay yeah really good 32 doubles freak 17 pumps powers there 82 rbis run producer 16 for 21 in the stolen base department Good. can make things happen with his legs 71 walks 76 punch outs doesn't strike out a lot walks a lot this is like and played perfect. he's played several positions yeah like it's you picturesque if you went to his fan graphs his baseball reference his savant whatever you do to look at prospects there's nothing that you look at here that's like Oh, that's a concern. I might have to go watch and and corroborate with my eyes. Like he is, yes. That's why I was so there. There's probably no ranking that ever floored me more than than uh, one of the outlets that put Miguel Vargas tenth uh, recently, like as recent as this season, in their Dodgers top prospect rankings. Yeah, um, I. You can figure out who did that, but that was that kind of floored me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, uh, that I know the Dodgers system is good, but whoa. Um, anyways, you look at the Angels, they bring up Ryan Aguilar. Um, it walks a lot, <laughs> walks a lot. This had some power to make sense. Some stolen bases. Interesting. Uh, definitely just a classic guy to to get a look at, uh, get some some more ABs too. Uh, how old is he? <laughs> 27 28 28 28 i just looked it up that that's fine this is the time to kind of see what you got with those guys he struggled in the early going so far since being promoted um probably won't be a big league piece but you know he's he's earned himself the opportunity with 15 pumps 11 bags 280 427 517 slash line to you know kind of see a little bit more nick eaton uh over with the royals as well or nate eaton sorry nate eaton 
gets gets a chance with the Royals and Daniel Mengden. Anything there? I know you see that that team a little bit more. There's nothing. No, like Nate Eaton hit some home runs, steal some bases. Uh, Daniel Mangden had a cool mustache when he was in Oakland. Like nothing to report. How about the Marlins, man? Really What's exciting up with that, stuff. Man? Re- really exciting stuff. They bring back Brian De La Cruz um, because you know why not? Um, and Jeff Brigham, who I'm actually I like Jeff Brigham. He is a good bullpen arm with electric stuff. It's just been about the health for him. And I mean, you, you put the numbers there, 43 innings. He's punched out 69 this year. Like Brigham has great stuff. It's just been health for him. So I'm actually excited to see Brigham out of the pen. And, and the guy's been through hell and back over the last couple of years with his injuries. Brian De La Cruz, he did everything you could have asked when they sent him back down, crushed in AAA over the last couple of weeks. But like, I just, I just don't really want to see him play this year. Like, I, I just, I want to see other guys. I'd almost still rather Burdick has been not great. I'd rather see Burdick or Gerard Carnacion or whoever, but it's Brian De La Cruz that's going to get another look uh, with with the big league team. How about the guy that has twenty two pumps and double? <laughs> just Danny Bunny. Yeah. Griffin Conan. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'd I'd love to see what what Griffin Conan can do now that he has. 35 homers in 140 double A games dating back to the promotion last year. Obviously yeah, the K's are not in triple. I dude, the Marlins always do, do yeah, this we kind can of move thing. On. Yeah, yeah. But defense has been great for Griff too, which, which is exciting and like, give him a shot. See, see how, see how it goes, but we'll see how the Marlins decide to handle that. that. But yeah, he did hit 22 yesterday. That was, that was fun to see. Um, Brewers, Luis Perdomo and Estuary Ruiz. We knew Ruiz was coming. Yeah. We didn't know was that Garrett Mitchell would precede that. I talked about Mitchell a ton in the last episode. We don't need to get into that. But Estrella Ruiz, I'm writing up the Brewer system right now. That's going to be our Monday episode, probably um, breaking down the system uh, and breaking down the rankings there. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Ruiz's. I, I really, you know, I talk about it in the write up. You and I have talked about it. He is maybe one of the most impossible guys to peg. Any guy with that profile is impossible to peg him. And by profile, I mean more of just like the history, right? Being kind of a non-prospect, fading, moving positions, not doing a ton offensively. Like those guys tend to kind of just disappear after being around for so many, he's played over 500 minor league games, but he's made some tangible adjustments. Looks fantastic this year. And he still is just 23 and he's moved around double a triple a another triple a team. And the numbers have remained consistent. I think that he's going to be a solid big league regular that can give you game changing stolen base ability and will continue to develop in the outfield. Remember he moved off of the infield. Um, I just don't know what his role is. Maybe he platoons a little bit with Garrett Mitchell. Uh, He does crush lefties like ridiculously crushes lefties, Uh, but I am interested to see how they use him, but guy's been great, man. 70 bags. I 70 bags and 85 attempts, right? Or 83 attempts, 83 attempts. I mean, he's running every time. Yeah, like if he's got 70 bags, he's got 70 bags. Estere Ruiz is going to do something for the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how he factors into the future. Um, You know, also looking at the at the hater deal, Robert Gasser made his triple A debut last night in Nashville. Um, I don't know, man. That that deal looks really good for David Stearns right now. It does. And we were ripping him. We were. Like we were like, what are they, what are you doing? Why are you training Josh Hader? But they may have seen something. They didn't like the trend cash in. Now Gasser is going to be a big league starter for you. Ruiz is going to be a big league piece in some capacity. And also if they make a playoff push this year, 
you have your Gerard Dyson in a story Ruiz, except imagine that he can at least hit at a big league average level. Yeah. <laughs> like th- that, that's what's exciting about Ruiz. Or, yeah. 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 I mean, Gerard Dyson, Terrence Gore, they kind of did the same thing, right? Yeah. It's postseason pinch runner. That's what Minnesota just did too, right? They got their yeah. postseason pinch runner up. Yeah. You, Billy Hamilton gets brought up. And you know what? Hey, Hamilton was, was a great base runner with the Marlins when I was watching him a little bit up close this year. Defense is great. My goodness. He's the worst big league hitter out there. Like he is the the singular worst major league baseball hitter. I I honestly don't think that Terrence Gore would be much worse if they gave Gore at bats. So I don't know why they're still giving Billy Hamilton at bats. You should just fully use him as the base stealer. Uh, but Billy Hamilton back with the twins. They also bring up Austin Davis. Who's already pitched a ton. The big leagues. Who was was claimed off of waivers from the Boston Red Sox. Was it Herb Washington, the uh, the A in in seventy nine or eighty? That, oh, like, the 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 track runner appearances. Yeah, the, the track, track runner. runner that was just a pinch runner and got yeah, and he stunk. He got like picked. He never played baseball in his life, and he got picked <laughs> yeah. off like five times and was like seven for for fourteen. Like, it was the most useless addition ever, um, which is which is pretty funny. Uh, another guy that was up with the Marlins. It's kind of wild. Devin Marrero, who Marlins would lose their minds every time he got brought up instead of a prospect. I think Mets fans are probably not losing their minds because the team is good, but it is surprising to see Devin Marrero brought up over Mark Vientos because Vientos has been spectacular in the second half of the season, but they opt to bring up Marrero. The only thing I can understand here is Guillaume is still out, right? Yeah. It's the defense, right? Because he's got a thumb thing. Too. Beatty's Beatty out. Done. Yeah. Beatty's probably done. I'm assuming it's 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 more defensive priority, right? Because Mark Vientos is going to play you a subpar third, a subpar outfield, passable first base, or he plays great defense at DH. But, you know, it, it's just that's kind of the issue. And I don't know if the Mets need a bat that bad, right? They're one of the best offenses in baseball. That's the the Mets defense there. But all I'm going to say is this about Mark Vientos. We, we've been high on him for a long time. He's been a top 100 prospect for us since just baseball has existed. Um, and even back to the lockdown MLB prospects days. Uh, but over his last 40 games, Jack, in AAA, 320, 378, 553 slash line. It's a 144 WRC plus and only a 25% K rate, which is if he lives there, he's going to be just fine. Nine homers as well in that span. Vientos is kind of, it's all clicked for him again. It's important to remember he's still just 22 years old. He's been around for a while. He's a young draftee, um, but it's probably more of a defensive thing because they have Vogelbach. And I think Vientos could kind of give them what Vogelbach is giving them offensively. Um, and they traded for Vogelbach. So they're, they're, they're going to go with the defensive guy in Marrero. I saw a video. Um, I think their name is bat boys on TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those kids do a good job. Yeah. They do a good job in the, uh, in the DMV. Um, and I saw them talking to Vogelbach and they asked him what his pregame meal is. And he said, acai bowls. I did see that. That was not what I was expecting. No, <laughs> I was not expecting I guess that at we, all, dude. We were, we were profiling. We were totally profiling uh, um, on Daniel Vogelbach. But shout out, shout out Vogelbussy for wanting his acai bowls. I love it. I love it. How about the Yankees? They bring up Oswald Peraza. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've been so annoyed of Yankees fans just – like, why won't they bring up Peraza? Why won't, I don't know. I don't know because you know, they are not sure that he can immediately give them more than IKF is giving them. You know, maybe that's a little bit harsh. Uh, maybe he will. Uh, but I think they kind of just had no choice at this point <laughs> because the offense has been so bad. Um, the team has just been so bad 
that they need to inject some life. And, and Peraza, like he's a well inside the top 100 because of the glove, because of the speed, and because of the solid bat. But I don't think Peraza is going to give you much more than what you're getting from Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, Peraza, you know, over his last 20 games has been solid in AAA, 116 WRC+. plus. Not going to hit for a ton of power, but he's got it in there. You can hit 20 home runs or so in there, but he's not going to walk a ton. It's more defense speed and solid bat. Do they really need that? Probably not, but they're they're so desperate right now. They're going to call anybody up they can. I'm excited to see what Peraza can do, and he does have game-changing speed on the base paths, and he has tapped into more power than he ever has. So I, I am interested to see how he does. The um the other guy that they called up, Marwin Gonzalez, or not called up, like Marwin Gonzalez was activated off the injured list. So you have Marwin Gonzalez, Oswaldo Cabrera, and Oswald Peraza on the same team. Don't they all kind of do the same thing? Yes. Um, and Peraza is the best version of that. Um, so that's why it I probably kind of... goes Peraza, Cabrera, Gonzalez. Oh, for right? sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, and Peraza's ceiling is so much higher, right? I mean, Peraza's ceiling could be, you know, a really well-rounded choice, almost like a, what what the Braves have got from Dansby Swanson this year. Like that, that is what I think you can get from Peraza. Uh, but he's not there yet. You know, like he's he's also young. Uh, he's just turned 22. He's just tapping into the power. Um, the base stealing has been impressive, 33 and 38 tries. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be a big jump for him. I really do. Yeah. Um, another guy that made the jump, Ken Waldachuk. Uh, fought command issues a little bit in that first start uh, with with the A's. Obviously, one of the, the centerpieces in the deal to get Frankie Montes. But Waldachuk, I, I like what I saw from him. He's been spectacular in the minor leagues this season, a 284 ERA in the upper levels, 21 starts, 95 innings, 137 punch outs. He's just been a lot of fun to watch pitch this year. Um, and you know, was able to dance out of some jams and turn in a pretty solid start uh for his big league debut. Four and two-thirds, punched out a handful, walked a few, but I, I thought he was solid. I can I I didn't get a chance to catch it. Um, but Waldenchuk, like is another guy. Waldachuk and JP Sears being in the same rotation in Oakland has to kill Yankee fans. But Waldachuk, I thought that was a great get for him. Um, I think he's going to be a middle rotation starter Montez for them. Deal. Yeah, man. I mean, like he he screams three or four. And, and I think he'll show flashes of, of a high-end three. Um, that he can rack up the strikeouts. And, and we saw kind of the stuff. I mean, seven whiffs on the fastball, which topped at 97. Five whiffs on the changeup, which I love, and then three whiffs on the slider. Uh, he he kind of had a little bit of everything going for him. And when he hit his spots, he was nasty, and the fastball had some ride to it. Um, the Phillies, another former Yankee, I believe, right? Donnie Sands gets brought up, catcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sands has been great this year, hasn't he? I think so. <laughs> um, Donnie Sands, like I, he's got a cult following. I just think it's funny that the Phillies call up a guy in Donnie Sands who was slashing 308, 411, 441 this year, uh, and Vinny Natoli, who was fine, like a mid to low three ZRA uh, in triple in 32 appearances. But like Donnie Sands and Vinny Natoli coming up for the Philadelphia Phillies, you don't even need to know the numbers. Like that just makes sense. I love it. I absolutely love it. But Sands swinging it well, and Natoli's another arm. I mean, they they need all the bullpen arms. So their bullpen's been solid, but I, I need to see as much reinforcement in there as possible. Um, two guys you could speak to pretty well, I think. Yeah. Recently acquired Johan Oviedo and then also Cal Mitchell, who I know you like. 
Didn't yeah. go great for him first time around, but it, that's very common. Um, I do think Mitchell has a good chance to be a, a big league bat in some capacity. Uh, but, you know, I'll kind of just leave the floor to you on those two guys. Yeah, so we'll start with Oviedo, who um, it was Oviedo and Malcolm Nunez, who's in double-A Altoona right now, who were the return for Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton in that deadline deal that sent Quintana from the Pirates to the Cardinals. Oviedo is really interesting. And, you know, he was like an interesting dive before his first appearance at Indy because yep. when he was up in the big league, when he was up with the bigs, um, he was a really good reliever. When he was in Memphis, he was a mediocre starter. So yeah. the question was, is he going to be a good bullpen arm or are you going to keep trying it? And Oviedo, his first appearance for the Indians came out of the bullpen. His second came as an opener and his third kind of came as a starter. Interesting. And then he gets this bump up. But Oviedo, he punched out the side in uh, his his first appearance. I think of his first inning with the Pirates. Um, and then, you know, he, he scattered three walks. I think with three shutout against Alec Manoa in Toronto. Um, I mean, I think Oviedo can be an okay starter. I think... I like the reliever. I like, yeah. But I think he can be a good reliever. Because I think he can be a really good reliever. He's got, he's got one big league... He's, and he's got one big league secondary pitch, and it's a slider. Yeah. So I just see slider, hard fastball, and... It's a reliever. Just ride reliever. that. Um, the beauty of what Oviedo can do is he can be a two, three inning reliever. And yes, exactly. that's what the pirates are building right now. Like they want a bunch of guys doing that. Tyler Beatty is doing it at the big league level and with success. Oviedo, yeah. With success. Oviedo is doing it here. Um, Cody Bolton in Indianapolis yeah. is another guy that is doing that. Uh, Mike Burroughs is going shorter spurts, although he should be a starter because Burroughs can be a really good big league starter. Um, so we'll see what the pirates want to do in terms of the pitching front, but I think they're trying to just create a whole bunch of Swiss army knives yep. and Cal Mitchell. He's going to carve out a spot somewhere. He's he too good for triple a, like he you will. mentioned, he was not good, very low two hundreds with the pirates. He was not slugging that much at all, but 63 games with Indianapolis so far this year, slashing 339, 391, 547. Like there's no better hitter in AAA that I've seen this year than Cal Mitchell. He's been incredible. No, the, um, and the data backs it up, man. I mean, so what's interesting is the chase rate's high. And I think that's kind of what gets exposed at the big league level, but then he can get away with in triple. And then gets exposed at the big league level, and then you go back to triple and you get away with it. Uh, but he hits the ball hard and he doesn't whiff. That that's a good combination. Usually it's just the chase rate. So if he gets that under control, I, I, I agree. I think this is a, you know, a big league regular potentially here. It was a good athlete. Yeah. And, and problem is, um, you know, the problem is like, there are so many okay outfielders for the pirates. Yeah. Like Brian Reynolds is really good. He's got a spot, but then you're juggling Sawinski, Cal Mitchell, Kanan Smith and Jigba, Travis Swaggerty. There are so many, Bly Madris, so many of them that I like know. only two can play alongside Brian Reynolds at any given time. And when the infielders from double A come up, where's O'Neill Cruz going to play? He's probably going to yeah. move to a corner, right? So then that eliminates one. Um, 40 man is going to be very telling for the Pirates. I agree. And I think they're going to have to make some moves. And I think you got to look at the upside here. I think Cal Mitchell and... Jack Sawinski are the two guys that if it all kind of clicks for them, Sawinski more volatile, but they have the the dynamic athleticism, you know, and, and impact that you can dream on a bit more. Those are the guys I'm probably, you know, holding on to, but Smith and Jigba is safe. 
I think the injury obviously and missing time this year definitely hurt him big time because he has to prove it over time. Whereas some of these other guys can show some fun flashes. Padres maybe had the least interesting um, uh, two guys to get brought up. Yeah. Uh, they bring up Matt Beatty, who could be, you know, a fine piece for them, but Reese Nair. Why, why are they, do they need arms that bad to bring up Reese Nair? Reese Nair, 28 games this year, 77 and two thirds innings, a six, nine, five ERA 50 walks. Dude, I don't know. 9.3 hits per nine. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Reese Nair was a highly regarded prospect too, like, which is interesting. It's still like, I think is on every top 30 list, but the numbers have not been good for him. Giants. We talked about, I, I like what we've seen from David VR. Um, I'm excited to see him get another month of ABs and Lewis Brinson, man, 299, 356, 574 slash line, 21 doubles, 22 homers, 63 RBI while playing stellar defense in the outfield. We know Brinson can do that in triple though. We know that, but still, this is a very good season that earns him another look. And I am rooting for this dude. Uh, he is one of the best dudes you will meet in professional baseball. He is so talented as was a big disappointment in that Yelich deal. And I really hope he finds a second life here in San Francisco, an organization that seems to identify these talented guys and find ways to help them succeed. Are you Bryn sexual? Absolutely. I think I am Bryn sexual as well. Love it. Love it. For our people on Twitter, they were amped up. I saw Peter Pratt was amped up about the uh, the little bleeding single for Lewis Princeton's first AB with oh, yeah. the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Uh, the Mariners, another guy that I will always root for because I feel so bad for how many times he's been traded. And he also seems like a good dude. Taylor Trammell gets an opportunity again. Um, he's put up some solid numbers in the minor leagues this year. Uh, I mean, I honestly, that's underselling it. His 22 games in AAA have been ridiculous. His numbers in the big leagues actually this year probably been as good as we've seen them overall. Um, banged up at times, you know, he's missed a lot of games, but he's still kind of young. Like he's 24. He's, he can play good defense. He can run a little bit. Like we know he's talented. It's just, we've been waiting for him to also make that jump from triple to the big leagues. And he just hasn't quite done it. I don't know what his role is with the Mariners, but it's a great fourth outfielder for you. Yeah, it's a really good fourth outfielder. Um, I just don't want him to get traded again, but it oh. might be better for him if he gets traded again. So I, I like it, I it no is idea. better for him to get traded, but I also don't want to see him get traded again. Like that kind of stinks. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, He's a Cardinals tweener. Ben Deluzio flies. flies flies. That's I really why pinch runner. That's why it's him and not Burleson, right? Because yes. he's serving a role of speed and they don't really care if he doesn't get a ton of ABs. 30 for 36 on bags. James Naley? Nail? Nail. 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 He's he's a fine. He's like a vet. He's just a veteran reliever. He's a he's an older 20s reliever. Um, Reserve the bullpen in September. Kind of just, yeah. you know. That. Exactly. Just add another guy that eats innings. Um, real quick on Deluzio before we move on, though. Uh, ben Deluzio is a Florida State Seminole. Um, uh, that's why I knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded familiar. Florida State Baseball under Mike Martin, the Hall of Famer Mike Martin, they would time all their guys first to third. The program record holder before Ben Deluzio took it when he was at Florida State was Deion Sanders. <laughs> He's that fast. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, they got their pinch runner speedster guy uh, and he swung it well this year too, though. So if you have to give him some ABs, he, he can, he can give you some, some decent ABs, hopefully. Maybe the guy that gives you the best ABs in minor league baseball 
is Jonathan Aranda. And Jonathan Aranda gets an opportunity with the Rays. Thank goodness. This guy's done nothing but hit every single year, basically. He is a plus hit tool, um, above average power that he's tapping into now. Lacks a bit of a defensive home, and I think that's part of the reason why we don't see him more highly regarded or even really getting as many opportunities. But playing a lot more second base and playing at a decent level, played a lot of third this year, which I thought was interesting as well, and didn't play you know too poorly there either. Aranda's bat is is one of my favorites in the minors. Uh, so many guys that I, that I'll again another one where I'll ask guys in the minors who's the most underrated guy you've seen. I've received Jonathan Aranda as an answer several, several times because of how easy he makes hitting look. 318, 394, 521 slash on with 18 homers. That's going to play. And it's basically exactly what he did last year as well. Yeah. I, Aranda, it's the Rays, man. Aranda and Manzardo are in the same organization. Kyle Manzardo, that's in another, another episode. We could spend 20 minutes talking about that guy. Uh, Matt Whistler activated. Thank goodness the Rays are starting to get some guys healthy again. Um, Whistler, great bullpen arm. Uh, that's definitely great for them. The Rangers, Jesus Tinoco. <laughs> um, no, no. Kind of bounced around a little bit. He throws hard. Could be a solid bullpen arm. Uh, Nick Solak. <laughs> uh, <Hi>. Okay. Um, <laughs> hopefully something clicks. Uh, Blue Jays, Casey Lawrence. Really good season. Um, yeah. And then Bradley Zimmer. Uh, really bad season. I texted you guys, how the fuck, pardon my French, how the fuck does he have three RBIs in 86 games in Major League Baseball? It's actually one of the most insane things I've ever seen. That takes effort, dude. It's incredible. 103 plate appearances, three RBIs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's rough, but he's getting a, he's getting a crack with the Jays because they need a lefty back. <laughs> They've been they've been doing anything. Rymel Tapia, any any way to just try a lefty bat in the fold a little bit more. We'll focus on Casey Lawrence because they kind of need pitching. Um, Lawrence is old, right? Thirty four, not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but the numbers have been great. Um, yeah. He's looked good in the big leagues and flashes, and numbers in AAA were really solid. So hopefully another depth arm for them. And then to wrap it up, I don't think we missed anybody else. The, the Washington Nationals they call up Tres Barrera and Mason Thompson. I like Barrera. Yeah. Barrera is solid. I want to see, you know, what he can do, kind of back up, keep it Ruiz, Ruiz DHs, you know, see what he can do behind the dish. Um, but yeah, that, that's about it. I think we we hit everybody, right? I, I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm double checking. Uh, you can also check the article out. It's linked in the description, just baseball.com. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much all, all, all the moves. Uh, would have liked to see the Marlins call up Jordan Groshans, um, given that they just had the worst offensive season ever. They don't really make that move. Um, who's the Cubs Mervis? We would have liked to see any other teams, any other snubs. We talk about Vientos Mets, but I can understand it from a defensive lens. Um, any other teams that you feel like maybe could have called somebody up and, and they didn't? Um, yeah, I mean, the the, the Jays, that, what was the Jays? Did they call it Moreno? No, right? No, they didn't call it Moreno. I understand they're kind of stock, like kind of just packed to the brim there so i can understand them not bringing him up yeah uh, i mean the only ones that jump out to me really are alec burleson um, which again where where is he playing so i would love to see burleson but with what, what lars newbar is doing um yeah. it's kind of hard to to find a spot for him yeah um josh lester 
for Detroit. Um, he deserves it over Torkelson and Kreidler. Um, I think that's it, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think there was really anybody else that jumped out to me like that. No. Um, I saw uh, Kyle Muller just got back up. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of the teams kind of just did, did what we were hoping and did what we, we thought they would do. Um, you know, the Royals had a couple bats I was interested in maybe seeing, but, you know, the Nickel Oftens of the world, just not quite there yet. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I like all the moves that that all these teams made, and that's why September is so fun. You don't see the prospect tugging as much and uh, or the, the service time manipulation as much, but – Yes, that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, going through the September cobs on Monday, we will have the Brewers farm system write up. Uh, probably our final farm system write up before the top 100 drops. Several top 100 guys there, and a few guys that I have shifted a bit and am much more bullish on as I've done my my further dive. And I'm excited to kind of get into those prospects and sell Jack on some of them. Any final thoughts, Jack, before we head into the weekend? College football. I don't think so. Uh, I just checked the halftime score of Iowa and South Dakota States. Why? Oh, barn burner over there. All right, well, enjoy minor league baseball, college football, whatever you do on your weekends. We will talk Brewers prospects with you on Monday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.